Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 82 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. It's like we never left your eardrums, because this is a very special bonus episode to close out the 2022 season. You don't just get one episode. You get two episodes. Yeah, because we're just so excited about... Party guile in Party the guile house in the house tonight. tonight. I, wow. Okay. I was I was thinking more of Gangnam style. Party guile style. Oh no, I was thinking of that song. But party guile style. Do a party guile style. No, yours is better. No, it doesn't even sound like Gangnam style. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to get sued by wh- whoever that guy was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're big internationally, so I'm sure he's gonna hear about this. Yes. Yeah, so we will be talking about our. Latest interest. I'm not going to say discovery because we did not discover this. This is a it's very. It's like we dug this up out of, out of the. It was dusted world. off. It was dusted off. The lore was dusted off. So. And I, f- I feel like party guiles come in and out of trend and in and out of like topics, and it's briefly been brought up recently. So. Just I'm like just the '90s excited. trends that are coming back into popularity, party guile could be making a comeback. And. Party Guile all came out of me digging deep to try and find ways of brewing low ABV beers and having a solution to save time, money, and time to brew a low ABV beer and not have all the risks associated. Yeah. So, per usual, I will be giving a little bit of history on Party Guile. Party guile in the house tonight. Okay. <laughs> James is really not loving that. I'm, I'm gonna not stop. loving that at all. I'm going to stop. Okay. So, party guile is actually ancient. It is an ancient method. So it's an ancient brewing method of making single or multiple runoffs of a mash into different beers. So, using that same mash to make more than one beer. And this is a technique that dates back as far as medieval times, but it was a standard in the 18th century. So it's, it's got some history to it. It's really tried and true, I guess you could say. Yeah. And like anything, there's always a reason for ways of inventing different processes. And this really came about because brewers and just the average workers during the 18th century, the cost of malt was so high and their wages were so low that it was really cost effective to brew in this <laughs> manner. Yes. Yeah. Cause you know, you got to have that beer because it was pretty much the only sanitary way to drink water. So <laughs> you had to figure out how to do it for cheap. So 1700 English and Scottish breweries made multiple, multiple beers off of a single batch. And it was not always, or not commonly referred to as party guile, Belgian monks had similar traditions of making Belgian double and using the second runs of the beer at the Abbey or Pratter beer. So the names triple, double, and single can refer to the times when multiple runs from the same batch, obviously the time, the amount of times it was used. So they would make a strong, a common, and a small beer. So kind of just a very, as James said, an economic way to produce more of that good stuff. And it, they had the brewing knowledge, too, to know that you can only get so much out of the grains. There's only so much starch and so much fermentables that you can mm-hmm. get out of a certain grain or grist. So they 
made sure that they started with a high enough ABV beer that then they could go ahead and do a second runoff um, by adding water and doing their process again and then add it adding what they need to make it slightly different. And again, you're going to get a lower ABV beer each time. Mm-hmm. And it really could even be seen, like you mentioned, in the medieval times, I imagine that the royalty would get the, you know, the first runnings. And then, yes. you know, your local, you know, lords would get the middle runnings. And then all the commons folk would get even the third and fourth run runoffs, which is basically just drinking water, that but it was kind of like as tastes like grains. Yeah. I mean, well, the small beer, and this is just based off of reading a lot of books. Like, I mean, small beer was common to give to kids because, as I mentioned, it wasn't very sanitary. It's just drink your water out of necessarily anywhere. So, brewing it into beer and then watering it down, which is basically what they were doing, made it safe for kids to drink, but it wasn't a high alcohol content where all the dr- kids are walking around drunk in the medieval times, you know, falling into pig pits and stuff. <laughs> right. It was the, the intent was a beverage that they could. Yeah. Dr- so that's why it's drink. called a small beer because it's or table watered beer. down. Yeah. Table, table beer. beer. Yeah. Yeah. So the breweries would have large wooden mash tons and large kettles, like up more than more than one, maybe three to handle having all of this beer and the, procedure that goes along with it and as technology improved with the industrial revolution which you know that industrial revolution caused a lot of problems but for the beer world it made it better they were able to fabricate larger kettles for a single batch and the entire method of brewing became more common of all the wort being made into a single brew like it is now so it made it better for us i guess but kind of made party guile go out of style yeah and especially with the invention of the hydrometer where you could really measure gravities it was easier for brewers to hone in their alcohol contents and really again the wages went up the technology got better so it really kind of put this out of style and at, at a guile and a, uh, yeah well i was gonna say and just to kind of cap off the history here guile means full batch of wart so party guile part guile means a half batch so part of the wart so that's kind of where that the name derived from. Fun fact, because you know I love the fun facts. Fuller's in the UK still brews using Party Guile. Yeah, so how does Party Guile work? So this was very confusing at first, and there's very long calculations for this. So I'm going to try and break it down as best I can without actually having done Party Guile yet. But this is something, if you listen to our last episode, 81, my goal is to brew some low ABV beers. And I feel like this is a technique that I can use in addition to the methods we talked about in episode 81 to really save time, maximize cost, and make some low ABV beers off a beer I'm already planning to brew. So how does it work? So works by, as Shannon mentioned earlier, using the mash grains of your first batch of beer, and then you're going to make another run from that second mash, and that mash would normally become your spent grains, which would either get thrown away, or like we do, we donate it to pigs so they can get something to eat, or you can make dog (laughs) treats. Um, But usually that's a waste product for breweries. And it's something that, again, if you're looking for sustainability and to be eco-friendly, a lot of people are resourceful and reuse it. But most home brewers, they have nowhere to give those spent grains, so it ends up just being waste. 
So this is a process in which you can add more water um, and run off just like you would your first mash mm -hmm. to create another beer. And again, there is a limit, obviously, on how many runnings you can do based on what your starting yeah, ABV your is. Yeah. But you could do two to even three uh, different beers off the same mash. So your first wort would have a smaller volume potentially, but with a higher gravity. And your second wort would have a higher volume, but lower gravity. Which makes sense because you're basically, as I said, watering down the beer. Yeah. Ex so you got to exactly. add more water to make it a lower gravity. And you're going to, you're not going to have as much starches that you can pull out of those grains because it's basically like you have a car and the car starts at full and then you get back in your same car and you're at 60% mm -hmm. because you made a beer that was, or you drove to Vermont yeah. from Massachusetts instead of driving to New York or Whatever. That was my car analogy to <laughs> okay, tie in beer. I don't know. And you're not going to want to do a sparge for your first runoff because then your second wart, you want to use those spent greens and sparge on that to get your second wart. So that's why you'd have a lower volume for the first one because you're not sparging. Yeah, you're not adding that extra okay. water to it. So you're going to get a thicker, you're going to get a more potent wart yep. for your first beer. Gotcha. And different beers can come from your two different boils with their own hop additions during the boil and your fermentation plan. So that was my biggest question of how do you not just get a lower ABV of the same beer? And the reason for that is because you're able in the boil to do a different hop schedule. You can use different hops. Mm -hmm. And then in fermentation, you can use different yeasts as well as your fermentation of how long you're going to let that ferment. Yeah, because you have the same base essentially, just one's higher volume and then you can do whatever you want with it. Yes, but not necessarily. Oh, whoa. Ooh. Education moment. I'll just say it now. So <laughs> okay. you can Were you going to save it for later? I was going to save it for later. A big reveal at the end. I'll save it for later. Okay. Okay. Because I'm going on a good tangent right now. Okay. About I'll let you go. Higher, starting with a higher ABV for your first. Take it away. The mash, your first runnings of the mash and then your second one, you're going to get a smaller ABV. And you can really use this as well for non-alcoholic beers. And this is how I came across Party Guile. I came across a couple articles and Claw Hammer Supply actually had a video from 2022 for Party Guile Mash where he used spent grains to make a non-alcoholic beer. Mm -hmm. And the consideration for this was that your recipe has to be, again, for a non-alcoholic beer, it's going to be 0.5% or less. Mm -hmm. So your OG is going to be about 1.005. You have to use less than five ounces of hops and you have to keg condition to really control your fermentation to make sure that you're not going to hit gotcha. a higher alcohol. So I was like, well, how is he doing this? And then the video showed that he started his first beer that he made was a barley wine, which is usually a high, high ABV yeah. <laughs> beer. And then he used the first running for that. And then he used... Basically, the next runnings for his low ABV beer, such as a special bitter or a Scottish light for his second, but I think he did a pale ale. And then the third runoff was such a low ABV that I believe that's what he used for his non-alcoholic beer. Okay. So I was like, he's getting three beers out of the one mash. I'm like, this is genius. Why doesn't Pete? Why don't people do this? And then looking at all the calculations, I'm like, yeah, this is probably why people don't bother because. It's not like you just 
okay, I'm done with the greens. Like, it's in the, I'm going to take out the greens now and I'm going to put it in another one and do it again. Like, you, there's, you have to calculate. It's also a very hard process to communicate. Where are you going to put this? Like, like, where do you vocally? Put the it's it, it's a lot of math, and as you guys all know, I'm I'm not accustomed to not great accustomed deals of math. math. Great deals of great math. deals of math. I'm speaking like I'm from the 18th century back back when this was popular. No, it's it's a lot of figures, but I'll, again, I'll try and break it down. Randy Moser from Brewing Techniques, a 2019 article from More Beer, breaks that down really well where he did a 15-gallon batch. He drained the first six to seven gallons into a kettle and boiled that. Then he did the next 11 to 13 gallons, sparged through, and put that into another kettle. And then he used basically a one-third to two-thirds split, giving the five gallons of your very strong beer and you're getting 10 gallons of a low-gravity beer. So I'd want to do the 50-50 partigile method where you basically get two batches of the equal size, one your higher ABV beer and then one your lower ABV mm-hmm. beer. Um, but most brewers who use this style tend to go with the 40-60 approach, meaning they'll have one strong batch of beer and a moderate second batch of beer. So the stronger one won't have as high a volume, won't be as many gallons as your lower batch. So one of the techniques that Shannon kind of alluded to earlier Mm -hmm. that you can do is you can recharge or what's called capping your first mash. Plug it in. Recharge that battery. Let's recharge that battery. Going back to my car analogy, (laughs) get to plug in a new Plug in that electric vehicle. Hell yeah. I'm going to plug in, baby. And they all work. Hell yeah. Electric. There we go. Okay. (laughs) This technique, you can basically add additional grains to your spent grains to then boost the gravity of your second runoff beer. So if you're concerned, if you're not wanting to brew, say, a barley wine that's 10 or 12% ABV, you could brew, say, a standard IPA or a another moderate ABV beer, but then you can add greens to that spent greens to make up that difference that you would lose for your ABV. And this, you can add the extra malt and you can also add extra sugar, which would allow changes for your color, flavor, and strength. Okay. And it all has to do with the, this conversion efficiency. So basically the efficiency of the starch that's converted in the mash plays a role in partigile where you want precision in the outcome of the beers. So like we were saying before, you can only get so much out of your grains. Correct. And yes. there's a whole calculation of how to extract, based on your brewing setup, X amount of potential out of your your mash. Out of your grains. And that's where it gets yes. complicated, and that's where you f- have to figure out all these different things. But if you're like me and don't really care too much about all the, if you end up with a beer slightly lower or higher, you you don't have to really worry about it. Your software just go with your recipe. So, is there anywhere online that you found that you could go in and like plug in the numbers? So, Beersmith. Okay. So, Beersmith, you basically say they say for a fifty-fifty split by volume, you'll have half of the wort in each batch. You'll get roughly fifty-eight percent of gravity points. So, a common method used to break down the math of figuring out how much you need is a technique using what's called gravity points. So this is basically where you will take your post-boil gravity. So say you want to have a high ABV beer, you want it to have like a 1.080, 
And then you want to have your low ABV beer from the party guy of mm-hmm. 1.0, 1.02. So then that would equivalent. You take the last two numbers from your gravity. So you'd have that would be 80 and 20 because you had basically your gravity of 1080 and 1020. So it'd be 80 and 20. And those are your gravity points per gallon. See, it gets wordy. <laughs> James is looking at my face, which is a blank stare, which is how I felt most of high school in math class. And that's the face <laughs> I had too after reading these articles over and over and then writing it down and then rethinking to myself, what the heck am I talking about here? It makes sense. And again, there's a great craft beer and brewing magazine in 2016 did an article called Practical Brewing Partigal Style by Joe Stange. And he does a really good job of breaking this down, what I'm talking about now of this whole gravity points and multiply. You basically take your gravity points, multiply how many gallons you want to achieve by the gravity points to get your total point. Okay. Do we have the link for that article that we can direct people to? Yes, we can put the okay, link put in the, in show, the notes. show notes. Okay. Sounds good. If you're looking for more in-depth or wanted to, if you're more of a visual learner as like opposed me. to an audible learner, learner and what James said what sounded interesting, but maybe need to absorb it by reading. Yeah. We'll so put that in the link for you. There's plenty of calculators on Google as well. They're a little harder to find, but they are there in Beersmith. One of the softwares does have a calculation that you can put in um, on their system. But again, the article does a great job. Mm-hmm. One of the commonly asked question is how do I do my grain bill for the second runoff or like after Correct. your yes. first beer? And so you'd want to put in your same grist or grain bill into the software, but then you'd have to adjust your mash extraction and brew house efficiency for each end, each runoff. So say your brew house efficiency is 75%, and that's usually the standard, I think, when you put them in. So if you don't know it, I'd usually do anywhere from 65 mm-hmm. to 75% for brew house efficiency. You'd have that in there. It would automatically have your mash extraction, which is basically based on what ingredients you choose. It shows you your capabilities and the ranges in the software. And you would put the same green bill and you would just adjust the quantities accordingly until you get the ABV that you're looking to get out of that second runoff. And that'll tell you what you need. Gotcha. So it kind of is a workaround for making it do the math for you. Exactly. Okay. And what, okay. how much hops you'd have to put exactly, in yeah. for that okay. second beer that you're going to make from that okay. same. So a technique that I think I would use would be blending where you're going to make your high ABV beer and then you're going to add your water for your second runoff to make your low ABV beer. And mm-hmm. then you'll basically get, say, two gallons of your high ABV beer and five, five gallons, gallons or five gallons, which I would do of my high five ABV and 10 or something and 10. You can then plug in to a simple equation to then get how much of each to mix together to achieve. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Whatever you'd want in that second beer. Got you. So you're, you're basically, it's like you're concoct, you're taking two separate beers at the end and, and you're putting them together. Putting them I got together. it because James literally held his hands up and looked like he was pouring into beakers. Yeah, exactly. With his test Blending. tubes. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see if you, when you get a chance to make that, how it comes out. Yeah. Well, so you're looking, if you're looking for the specifics on mm-hmm. that calculation on, or an example of the calculation to do for the blending technique, Go to that uh, 2016 Practical Brewing Party Guile style 
article from Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine. Yep. Uh, I found that extremely helpful, and that's what I'm using in my party guile beer that I'll be doing. Yeah. So some of the pros to doing this party guile is that it does cut down on waste because you're using your grains multiple times as opposed to just the one and done, which is nice because, you know, I guess it cuts down on waste, but I know we're going to talk about cons in a second, but does it reduce your water usage? Not really. Not really. <laughs> no, not really for water. No, but I guess it does. It allows you to use the grains multiple times, which is a little bit better than just, you know, tossing them out or throwing them in the woods, whatever you want to do with them. And it also saves time to make multiple brews. So if you're looking to make a higher ABV, but you're interested in making, you know, if you want to do that barley wine, but then you also want to do something a little bit less, it's kind of a time saver in that instance, minus the hours you'll spend on the math. Yeah, I think too, like if you're just a common home brewer that like myself, that doesn't really need to have everything so precise, like it's an excuse for me to make a no, like kind of like a no risk low abv beer where it's just the spent green so it's yeah. i'm not you're not spending, spending more money extra money other than maybe if i uh, do the technique of capping and add a little extra to the mash mm -hmm. it's not a big investment where you're like oh there goes 80 dollars for a five gallon batch of undrinkable so if it has to go to the graveyard beer. you know it was just the it was the sloppy seconds anyways Oh God, don't <laughs> say sloppy seconds it also yeah. allows you to experiment with the same beer as well and test different hop additions and profiles that you want to get and even yeast that you want to get out of a beer by basically getting different variations of a same recipe. So you can basically come up with two different beers from the same grains and same recipe, which is kind of crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. And what is a pro for some, but a con for others? You get to use math. Yeah, so the takeaway here is the math can get pretty complicated and the complexity of it just makes a lot of home brewers especially just not even want to attempt this technique but i do think there is value in imploring this technique in your brewing because you get to try new things and it's not a big cost investment for the home brewer and it's also using your same equipment it doesn't require expensive tools mm -hmm. like a lot of these require tracking fermentation things to go in your fermenters or temp controlled fermentation it's something that an average home brewer would be able to do i think yeah and i mean the cons we've already talked about some of them like adjusting is can trick adjusting can be tricky to get that adjusting can be tricky if you're looking for a specific abv there's math you're using more water than you may have used to just do one beer. So there's a couple of, you know, cons to it. And you're also limited in that second beer being a lower ABV. So if you're looking, you know, you, I mean, I feel like that would be the purpose of doing this if you're looking to have a lower ABV, but that's. Yeah. And I think the blending technique really, someone can just like go overboard blending too, and it might destroy a perfectly good strong abv beer as well if you aren't necessarily looking at that calculator to figure out how much of each you need to mix mm -hmm. unless you're just happy getting a moderate abv beer out of the two worst case scenario another con that i thought of was if you don't have two boil kettles or two kettles you it's just going to add time to your brew day where you're going to have to wait for that first beer 
to basically be boiled and transferring to your fermenter to then move over your second running into your um, boil kettle to basically go with the beer. The good thing, though, is you don't necessarily have to, if you're planning on doing the same style or a similar style, you don't have to necessarily worry about cleaning out all your boil kettle and all your lines going from the mash tun to the boil kettle mm-hmm. because it's just you're just going to get a little bit extra of those just starches that are um, still stuck in your yeah. tube anyway. So that would only help. So I guess another ABV. check in the pro column, less cleaning. Yeah, you, <laughs> you could potentially get two to three beers for one ultimate clean, Yeah, which is pretty impressive. And like Shannon mentioned at the beginning in this episode, uh, Fuller's in UK has been using this technique for ages, using for their ESB, their London Pride, and their Chriswick Bitter. So basically they brew two warts. So this is kind of where the blending comes in. They brew their first run at 1080 gravity, and then they Mm -hmm. do their second at 1020. And then from those two warts, they blend to get their three brews that they want to achieve with the ABV. So I, I found that really interesting that a commercial brewery, even with all the technology and all the techniques out there, is imploring this style and really mm-hmm. highly recommends it and even promotes it, saying that, you know, they can get more complex flavors and really allows them to maximize the most out of their mash tun which going back to sustainability and using the most out of your ingredients and not wasting, especially considering we had barley shortage and grain shortages. It's using the ingredients to their fullest, which I think is just commendable. And the results are, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had all those beers and they're just great. And I would have no way of, I never knew that they used the two warts to make those beers. I did not know that either, but I, when you told me, I wasn't surprised because they are a pretty old brewery and they are from the UK and we just talked about, you know, medieval times and this is kind of where it originated. So it's not overly surprising, but I just didn't, hadn't heard of it before. Yeah. And one of the common cons that people say is, well, I can't dial in the color. I don't know what the strength's going to be in the other one. So it's kind of like a mystery. But again, as I mentioned, if you go with the capping and you um, add some specialty grains or you add some to that mm-hmm. mash, you can adjust your color and everything using your calculators. But again, I definitely see that complexity as well with the style. So it's a valid con for the style if you aren't familiar with the style. And I think it just t- will take doing it a couple times mm-hmm. to really hone it down. So yeah. I think I'll pair the low ABV experiment with the party guile. So I'm excited to see that comes up because I'm planning to do a barley wine. So Two birds with one stone. See, look, there's. This is all I you already know, James. have. I already all have it ready to go. So get me um, some small beer. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, I'll do an ESB or something or a pale ale. Yeah. I don't know. Well, hopefully this or a Scottish ale. I've never done a Ooh. Scottish ale. Mm-hmm. And you know what's right around the corner? Oh, that right. What's gonna say. You know what's right around the corner? <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, but this is a Scottish, and that doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> rewind, erase. Okay. Check uh, that. Okay. Reverse it. Well, hopefully this gave you all some insight into the party guile style and maybe just something you didn't know about before that you might want to try for funsies. Yeah. And if you've tried party guile brewing, DM us on our Instagram and let us know how you party guile and what kind of dancing shoes you use for your party guile. What's your dance move for your party guile? 
Before we wrap up today, James, what is your, because we are at the close of 2022, what is your brew year's resolution? Well, tying with these episodes, I'd say, I'd say brewing a flavorful, low ABV beer that can just be on tap 24-7 and it's going to be below 4% and it'll have the flavor of a 6% beer. So I think okay. that's my goal. And I think it's something that's been a challenge of finding a non-alcoholic beer that's flavorful or even one that's less than 4%. So challenge accepted. What okay. about you, Shannon? Well, first, I just want to point out you just totally glossed over my amazing pun of Brew Year's resolution, but we'll just move on. Um, <laughs> I am, I think it's just mostly to brew some more on my Pico brew and do some smaller batches of stuff that I want to drink. Yeah, and on on that, we've just gotten some small batch, Mm -hmm. one-gallon kits for you to do on the the Pico Brew. So I think I'm going to try more of that. It's a little less time-consuming than the large, you know, your kettle setup downstairs. So I'm hoping to do a little more of that and maybe another wine because I did get some good reviews on mine. And maybe another cider. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> Shannon's like, all right, this just is already everything. way too okay. much. Okay. <laughs> like just, just do two beers and a thing. That's like yeah. Too much. yeah. But that's it. That's it for me. Well, from us Peace at out. Double Hoppy Podcast, we want to wish you all a hoppy holiday and a hoppy, hoppy brew new- year. Oh, hoppy brew year. James stealing my puns. <laughs> well, we just want to say thank you all for listening to us this year. We really appreciate you all. And if you appreciate us, you can go to at Double Hot Beat Podcast on Instagram and follow us and also rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thank you all for listening. This has been, been Double Hot Beat. Beat. Catch, Catch you on, on the Bruce side. side.